Thank you for listening to the Gateway to the Rockies podcast from Visit Aurora from the rafters of the Stanley Marketplace. This is the show dedicated to telling the stories of Aurora, Colorado. Hi there, I'm Dave, Senior Marketing Manager for Visit Aurora. After more than 65 years as a pillar of Northwest Aurora, the members of St. Matthew Lutheran Church voted to close its doors. The space was reborn as a nonprofit for refugees and immigrants, coined the Village Exchange Center, a community space that celebrates religious and cultural diversity. Today, we're joined by Amanda Blaurock, co-founder and executive director of Village Exchange Center. Amanda, how did the idea to transform your stepfather's church into a community center come to fruition? Well, first of all, thank you, Dave, for having me and for that lovely introduction about what we do. I really appreciate it. Um, we were having a conversation, my stepfather and I, in 2016 about the closure of the church because the congregation had shrunk to being about 30 members in their 80s and 90s and there was a huge shift shift in the demographics of aurora and specifically in the northeast aurora region uh, we talked about potentially closing and my stepfather and my mother who are both ministers um, to move to another state or another location where they both could have their own congregations and we discussed well my stepfather was a monk for 10 years and he loves all people and all religions and he's a theologian and maybe we should make a proposal to the congregation who owned the land and the church outright to donate this space to my stepfather and i for us to form a nonprofit for the community that it currently is which is refugees and immigrants. I imagine that transition for your stepfather and your mother was was mournful, but but also invigorating. Uh, you got this new mission, this new direction. I imagine it kind of filled the spirit up to a degree. Sure. So at first it was a kind of what are we going to do? My mother actually has a separate church. So mm -hmm. for my stepfather, the idea of actually staying and not having to look for two more churches in another location um, was very interesting and exciting. And the process of actually making the proposal to the congregation and talking them through the potential to actually revive and redo and reimagine church by looking outward um, was a very interesting process as well because most of the congregants were, again, maybe some in their 70s, but average in their 80s. Um, so this idea we brought to the congregation and they were very excited about it, but it was not at first easily understood because it was very different and has never been done. Your team produced a movie, a short film that tells the story of the Village Exchange, and that film is going to be on display at the Cannes Film Festival, I understand. Yes, it is. We're super excited about this. Um, in 2020, the Cannes Film Festival in the American Pavilion um, awarded our film My Father's House with the Emerging Filmmakers Jury Award. Um, because there was no actual in-person film festival in 2020 and because it's a winner they're actually screening it this year may 22nd at the Cannes film festival what an incredible spotlight on an incredible organization and a great story for aurora absolutely we're very excited to really highlight what we did in aurora uh, this has been a partnership with the City of Aurora, the Office of International and Immigrant Affairs. Everything that we have done has really been community driven. So how we looked at dealing with other and bringing in a changed demographic and how we looked at the fact that six to 10,000 churches close annually in the United States, that's as of 
2019 with the Pew Report in 2019, um, and I don't know what it is now post-COVID, but that unique circumstance is really happening throughout the world right now, and specifically with the Ukrainian refugee crisis that's happening with over 4 million refugees throughout the world that are moving right now out of Ukraine, how we look at doing something different with spaces and accepting the other and really creating a successful nonprofit that could handle some of the issues that everyone is facing is really afe. Aurora is the most diverse city in Colorado, uh, and a lot of that is specifically attributed to the neighborhood that you serve. Can you shed some light on how dynamic our immigrant and refugee community is? Absolutely. Uh, since our inception, we really were looking at, as you mentioned, the mission of celebrating religious and cultural diversity. So in order to do that, we really just engaged with multiple community members. I believe at this point we serve and work with over 40 different countries of origin groups. Um, everything from our multi-faith worship, which is both Christian, uh, Hindu, Buddhist, Jewish, and Muslim. Um, and then also through community events and programming and empowering programs for the community. So our interaction with the diversity and color of our community is really, really um, beautiful. You're a lawyer, business executive, a litigator, an investor. It would seem on the surface that those skills would be a world apart from refugee philanthropy. But I imagine the experience that you bring not only helped fuel your passion, but kind of gave you the tools to run a successful organization like the Village Exchange Center. Thank you. I appreciate that. And I think the um, those tools plus being raised by two ministers and living in a place like Oakland and Berkeley, California, where you really were encountering different groups of people. And since I was six years old, I went to a Japanese Buddhist temple. I'm actually half Jewish um, and half Sicilian Catholic. Uh, so my background is very diverse as well as being part of different religions and then having done international law for the last 20 years, um, both with the Department of Commerce, the International Trade Commission, big law firms, and then individuals who have multi-jurisdictional assets. So my experience and understanding of different cultures and my love for different cultures is very high, but I've never actually done anything with refugees and immigrants prior to this work, and it has really been a, a labor of love. But what an incredible perspective to have gained throughout your lifetime. To, to be able to transition all those skills to this this operation that is so important uh, in Aurora. The, the Village Pantry is an absolutely incre incredible endeavor. You're feeding thousands of people, representing dozens of countries, but it even goes beyond those necessities. You have programs that serve the community through education and economic empowerment. Tell us a little bit about those programs. Sure, so um, here at Stanley Marketplace, we have a farm, the village farm at Stanley. We have about two acres right behind Stanley in the um, in the field. Right. Um, that program is a state certified ETPL program um, where we have 24 50 foot farm beds and we do an earn as you learn program where we're training uh, three cohorts of six weeks to do everything from seedlings all the way to harvesting and then participating in the uh, Stanley farmers market over the summer. Um, and in addition to that we have multiple um, kind of health equity, what we call them, programs, and economic empowerment programs. Our health equity programs are everything from our 
um, vaccine clinics to having health fairs. Um, we have the Governor's Equity Clinic, um, which we started in the beginning of COVID as soon as we were doing um, actual vaccines. Uh, the economic empowerment programs in 2020, uh, we created with Left Behind Workers Fund, um, a program where we gave out, and we were the payment and screening partner, 12.6 million to undocumented immigrants who lost their, who had lost income due to COVID um, and could not obtain unemployment insurance or other CARES Act or federal funds. Um, and then we've continued to participate in that program. And then we started multiple funds with Arapahoe, Adams County, um, to do low wage worker fund, which is providing $1,500 to low income individuals that get COVID but can't afford to quarantine. Um, we also have the vaccine equity fund where we give incentives to individuals um, to receive a vaccine um, in order for them to actually have money to get to our space and if they need to take some time off. Uh, we also have a minority business fund, um, which we just received funding from Adams County I think about 450,000. That's in partnership with the Colorado Hispanic Chamber of Commerce and the NAACP, where we give money to minority small businesses. That were particularly impacted during the pandemic. That support is often difficult to find, but it's truly important to support these businesses, especially with how integral they are to the Aurora community in particular. And going back to the village farm a little bit, uh, I was struck that some of the, the produce grown reflects the cultures that are represented in our community as well, right? Absolutely. So we really look at what's culturally appropriate. And because we have a diversity of people who participate in the programs, um, we are able to uh, to create a crop plan and a production plan that actually is reflective of what the community wants. So 50% of the food grown at our farm is actually distributed to the community by the community of 250 volunteers with our village pantry, um, but is food that, that we know that the community members want. So it's organic, freshly grown food down the street. Um, the other 50% we sell to places like Makola Market, it's an African market, um, and other places at Stanley Market, and is used for the um, farm to table that we'll be doing this summer. One of your programs that I find incredibly unique at the Village Exchange Center is your Natural Helpers Program. Volunteers who are recent immigrants themselves help new immigrants and refugees kind of navigate life in a new place, help them get access to resources. Uh, that perspective has got to be invaluable, not only from navigating those often confusing logistics and processes, but also helping them deal with the psychological and emotional impact of being in a new environment, I imagine. Absolutely. And that was one of the first programs that we started with the city of Aurora, that partnership, and really at this point having over 200 community leaders um, who are off A and all of the new resources um, has really escalated and elevated all of our programs. And last year alone, we did 21,000 hours by our natural helpers who we now are paying to do all of these programs. It's a privilege to be a volunteer. And we always say, you know, how do we actually give money to community members and leaders who are working in the community that have elevated everything that we've ever done. Um, one of the things I want to put a plug into is because these natural helpers have access to community members who really don't know and, and can't navigate our systems, um, we are looking to do a natural helpers emergency relief fund. We often get requests. Most recently, there's been two of them. One of these 
women came in and her son had died and she didn't have money for cremation because he was an undocumented immigrant. Another time there were several families who had a fire in their home, they had no insurance. How do we have the natural helpers be judges and make determinations on what is the rubric that would provide an emergency situation for many people who don't have access to funding or resources and empower our community members from Aurora to actually be the ones that give out that money. So we're creating this fund now. That's the key. I mean, providing resources is so incredible, but empowering the community to kind of be the stewards of the community at large is so valuable and an important way to, of integrating immigrants and refugees and, and allowing them to take ownership in this community, which belongs to them as much as anybody else who's born here. Absolutely. Uh, in your film, My Father's House, uh, you, there was a quote that you mentioned that really struck me. You said that your mom told you that you won't be truly happy unless you're in service. You have an impressive resume. Where does the Village Exchange Center rank in terms of the most fulfilling things you've done so far? I would say it's number one, um, absolutely. And I think you don't really know what it means until you are in service. You know, I've, I've been hearing that from my mother, who was a minister all my life. But actually serving over 15,000 people annually has been one of the most fulfilling things I've ever done. And also as a lawyer and a developer, creating this space, a beautiful space of dignity that people can call their own has been really wonderful as well. So it really combines, as you mentioned earlier, my kind of legal developer also being a filmmaker now, like how do I look at all of these things and bring it together? It's really been a wonderful way to excel and utilize the different talents that I think that I bring to the table. And your work has gone uh, noticed. I mean, you've been honored by the city of Aurora, the Women's Foundation of Colorado, uh, SARCO and other organizations. And obviously you don't do it for the accolades, but it, it's got to feel good to be recognized as a leader making a real impact specifically as a woman it's got to feel good to to know that you're setting an example that can shine for for all people but specifically young women absolutely i i actually to that point just did a um interview with a 16 year old who's a natural leader which is an outbreak of the natural helpers program for teens that we do with the city um, and she asked to, to interview me for her college essay. And she sent me the essay, and it was six pages long, and it was the nicest thing I've ever heard anyone say about me, and it made me cry. And it was just so beautiful how she sees the leadership and what it means to her. And that was impactful for me in multiple ways. And I, and I also want to mention that, that if you look at some of the numbers, you know, there's like venture backing for women. It's like 1% of women are venture backed. Like 1% of women get over $1 million. And these numbers may be different, and you will be quoting me because I'm saying this to you, but the numbers are very low. So when we got our first million dollars in, again, that was one of those moments of like, wow, you know, someone believes in me. And when we got $13 million in in year three, it was even more impactful. And at this point, utilizing the privilege that I have as a lawyer and as a trusted individual to bring funding and bring my background into a community that doesn't have many people providing this service to them has been probably the most meaningful part. Because I know I have the privilege as a white woman to be able to be trusted with millions of dollars that most people don't and most women don't. 
right? It speaks to your credibility. It also speaks to the impact of the Village Exchange Center. You know, the pandemic complicated life for us all. Uh, Imagine dealing with all that comes with being a refugee while also facing a global pandemic. Uh, The Village Exchange Center provided support in the form of millions of dollars in grants to people who lost their jobs and provided support to minority-owned businesses. How did the organization's priorities pivot during the last two years? Tremendously. Um, We were in 2019, we were at a $550,000 budget, and we closed the year in 2020 at $13.6 million. Um, So you can imagine having four full-time employees to going to 13 million that it was very difficult and we made the decision as a community center serving this specifically underserved community that we would stay open and that wasn't an easy decision when a lot of people and their friends and their family were all staying at home we started doing all these essential needs and basic needs and that's how we were able to pivot and get to the front of the line and lead that train to actually provide the the financial assistance and the food and start the farm in April of 2020. That's when we started because we knew it was an outdoor job that we could give undocumented immigrants and we couldn't really pay them because of the situation, but we provide a stipend as part of a program to give something for them to learn and upskill and be outside and do it. So we were really looking at how do we excel at a time of crisis and I think that we did. What you already did even before the pandemic was kind of crisis management, existential necessity management, things like that. So I imagine your organization already had systems in place to step up and help the community, put you almost in a a unique position to to already know how to help. That is correct. Um, But the team was very small. So, yes, we already had the relationships with all the donors. We were already actually serving this specific community. We had already built trust. We were already a place where we had 21 resident partners, which were community organizations. Um, We had partnerships with the state, counties, and the city. So when this happened and we agreed to move forward and we showed that we could under-promise and over-deliver, I think that really just propelled the organization. Were there challenges navigating different uh, religious communities and ideas while also being a conduit for vaccination? Absolutely, and there still are. Yeah. So we, um, I felt pretty strongly. I, I was asked by multiple leaders um, to do the Governor's Equity Clinic, knowing that we had multiple refugee communities that would never get vaccinated. Um, so my position on it is health equity. If we could create a space and allow people to make their own decision, I was happy to do anything that allowed people to make their decision. I would not be in a position of forcing anyone or they couldn't come in if they were vaccinated. I felt pretty strongly that people could make their decisions on their body. And I really had to navigate making people feel comfortable to continue to come in, even though they were from populations or communities that I knew would never get vaccinated. It feels premature to say we're post-pandemic, but there seems to be some light at the end of the tunnel. You can start possibly forward think a little bit more. What What is the long-term vision for the Village Exchange Center? Five, 10 years, where are we going? Sure. So yesterday we did a charrette with our architects because we are redoing the building. So we've had a capital campaign of $7 million, which uh, $1.7 million was recently approved. That was put forward by Congressman Crow and Senator Hickenlooper um, to redo our space to have a commissary restaurant storefront. And we're almost completed with our 
um, early childhood education capital campaign. Um, so we are about to start kind of re-envisioning the space and what does that look like long term? Where will we be in five to 10 years? And just had this conversation with all my now 19 employees to talk through like what do, what do we see would last if this whole area gets gentrified? And I think one of the main things that came out of that is we wanted to continue to be a place for community that bridges community, that's an event space that has both health and well-being programs that provide that health and well-being to everyone. And part of health and well-being is creation of community for people to have a sense of belonging and safety. Um, so at its core, that's what we want to do. Now, the health and well-being programs from having an ECE center where people want to return to work and can't get their kids in anywhere and having a commissary and a restaurant that supports the event space and the and the, the um, worship space is really wonderful. So looking at a sustainability plan, we look at the entirety of the building as a social enterprise. How do we have income that comes in that's earned income from rentals, from events, uh, from ECE, from doing a restaurant so that we can support the other programs for the community. So we're not reliant 100% on, on these grants, um, both from the counties and municipalities and from foundations. Right now, we do have a pretty high number of earned income because we have we own the space, um, but we'd like to increase that. You spoke a little bit to preserving the community, and as I look outside here, you see cranes all over this neighborhood, and a lot of development is positive, and it's good, and you want a thriving, good economic base. You also need to protect your community. You have to protect the people who live there, the people who anchor themselves. How do we manage that as a community? How do we both foster economic growth and responsible uh, development while also preserving and protecting the people who are so integral to this community? So I, anyone who knows me well, my personal mantra is abundance. And that means everything from spiritual community and things. You know, any any side of abundance that you can think of. And my professional mantra is inclusive abundance. So yes, I believe in development. I am a, a social capitalist. I believe in inclusive abundance, though. How do we get ownership to these communities? How do we create programs? And that's kind of the next step personally that I am very interested in in talking to Aurora and Adams County about is how do I get the community that we are serving to have ownership and be vested in this area. That is what I feel very strongly. It's my theory of change. I think when people actually own, they're vested, and we don't deal with the amount of vandalism and burglaries that we've already been dealing with, both at the farm as of last week and at our center. When people own and they have an opportunity for wealth, they're vested. and and then provide this these workforce development programs. So that is where I have a lot of passion because of my development background is how do we just get people included in these changes. Uh, speaking of including people, if there are folks listening right now, they're just learning about the Village Exchange Center for the first time, or perhaps they have a periphery understanding of what's going on. How do they get involved with your organization? Sure. So if you go on our website at villageexchangecenter.org um, or call us, and I don't have the phone number on me, um, but put it in a link. 
Um, you can call the office. We have a volunteer program both for the farm. Um, we have, if there's any corporations, we do CSR like volunteer training programs where we can have everyone in a team come out to the farm. We also work with 250 volunteers at the food pantry and we're now working with all the Afghan refugees um, through the state and the um, refugee agencies. We have an MOU with them. We're providing culturally appropriate food to the um, Afghan refugees that have recently arrived. And then we also coordinate with all the volunteers for all the organizations that are working to provide the food to the Afghan refugees. So multiple ways to engage. A lot of ways, even in terms of whether it's financial or in kind, I always say the way that we scaled even during COVID with four employees initially for FTEs is actually by capacity building, getting those CEOs, thought partners that can help us in different ways with technology or any other you know, theories of change and all the different ways that we've engaged with corporations and individuals, that's how you scale. It's not just financial contributions. So any way that people want to engage, we would have that conversation. It's hard to articulate the amount of light and kindness that your organization and you personally are bringing to our community. Thank you for that. The work that you're doing is invaluable, and I know you don't do it for the kudos, you do it for the people, but just know it's being noticed, it's being appreciated, and we hope we can shine a light on it. Uh, Amanda Blaurock, co-founder and executive director of Village Exchange Center. They're at 1609 Havana Street. You can find them at villageexchangecenter.org. I got the phone number right here. Thank you, Google, 720-668-9968. You can also visit them on Facebook at VEC Aurora or on Instagram at Village Exchange Colorado. Amanda, it was a pleasure to meet you and, and thank you so much for taking the time today. Thank you. Hey, thank you for listening to the Gateway to the Rockies podcast. Visit Aurora is the official destination marketing organization for the city of Aurora, Colorado. Colorado and acts as the primary liaison between meeting planners and hotel partners. As Aurora's Convention and Visitors Bureau, Visit Aurora's mission is grounded in showcasing Aurora as a premier destination for meetings, business, and leisure travel. Visit Aurora represents more than 75-plus hotel properties with 13,500-plus guest rooms and more than 1 million square feet of meeting space, including Colorado's largest resort, Gaylord Rockies Resort and Convention Center. As Colorado's third largest city, Aurora is located minutes away from Denver International Airport and showcases mountain views, memorable meeting spaces, and 250-plus international eateries that offer a unique experience for each and every visitor. As the gateway to the Rockies, Visit Aurora's role in the local community goes beyond marketing the city as a destination. The Visit Aurora team is here to assist you with your Colorado visit, from facilitating your meeting, event, or convention, to helping you discover local flavor and attractions. Go beyond the boardroom in Aurora, Colorado. For more, visit us at visitaurora.com.